Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Scandal in Spring by Lisa Kleypas. So yes, this was published in 2006 and is the fourth and final book in the Wallflower series. We made it! We're actually like extremely happy to have finished the Wallflowers. We know it's a romance staple, but if we're being honest, we both like the Hathaways better. Yeah, so we're like really excited about getting to the Hathaways. So Yeah, we're way more excited to review those than we were to review these. Sorry to all you Wallflowers lovers. I didn't hate this book, though. I want to be clear. Yeah. I, I have mixed feelings. I was going to say, what, what, did you love this book? No. It's no devil in winter for me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Let's do the let's do the book jacket. After spending three London seasons searching for a husband, Daisy Bowman's father has told her in no uncertain terms that she must find a husband. Now. And if Daisy can't snare an appropriate suitor, she will marry the man he chooses, the ruthless and aloof Matthew Swift. Daisy is horrified. A Bowman never admits defeat, and she decides to do whatever it takes to marry someone anyone other than Matthew. But she doesn't count on Matthew's unexpected charm or the blazing sensuality that soon flares beyond both their control. And Daisy discovers that the man she has always hated just might turn out to be the man of her dreams. But right at the moment of sweet surrender, a scandalous secret is uncovered, one that could destroy both Matthew and a love more passionate and irresistible than Daisy's wildest fantasies. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's uh, actually, this isn't, this is not a terrible book jacket. It's not, but I think some of the things that the book jacket makes you as a potential reader think and question, mm-hmm. I don't feel like are adequately addressed in the text. Yes, I agree. Does that but, make sense? Yeah, but on the other hand, like I can't blame the book jacket because right. I feel like the book itself doesn't really get there, you know? I, I agree with you completely. So before we get so vague, we lose all of our listeners. As usual, we generated our own random number to write our own summaries. And this week, that random number is 40. So my 40-word summary... Daisy can't land a peer, so her dad decides she should marry his protege. Daisy resists, but Matthew has a more lurid backstory than Daisy's literary heroes. She decides to lock him in before the cops can lock him up. Oh, Lane, that was good. Thank you. I'm impressed. If only I'd remembered his name. (laughs) I know. All right, here's mine. Marriages of convenience are the worst, except when we're reading a romance novel. How surprised were any of us that Daisy fell for Matthew? That is, once we figured out Cam Rohan wasn't going to be the hero of this novel. Look, I still, I know we have an errata about that. I still don't understand why Matthew was supposedly better for Daisy than Cam. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. Okay. But I did find the quote. So I know we talked a couple of books ago probably while reading the last one, while reading yep. Devil in Winter, that Meg seemed to recall Daisy saying she wanted to marry an Earl. 
or a secret Irish Earl. And I actually found the quote. It is in this book. She doesn't yeah. say she wants to marry a secret Irish Earl. They're spitballing different options for men for her to marry. Yes. And she thinking about men that Lord St. Vincent might know from the club. She asks Evie if, uh, do you think Lord St. Vincent could find out more about Mr. Rohan's mysterious past? Perhaps he's a long lost Irish Lord or something of the sort. So that's right? the actual quote. So that, that's the context. It's not that she said she wanted a secret Irish Earl. It's that she speculated that Cam Rohan was a secret Irish Lord. Like not trying to spoil the Hathaways or anything, but this is a literal quote from the, from uh, Scandal in Spring. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I, uh, when I read that this time, I was like, holy shit. Like, she knew. She knew. Lisa Clayfus knew this all along. And yet, no. I, I don't know. Don't get it. I don't get it. But whatever. No. So um, there are a lot of tropes in this novel. There are. My favorite is wish for a dude and he appears like immediately. And this is the, like at least the second time that Lisa Kleypas has used this trope in exactly the same place. That would be the wishing well on um, West Cliff's estate. So yeah. she did it in uh, Worth Any Price. Yes. Remember? The yes. Lottie is there and she's like at the wishing well and she's like, I'm going to wish for a man. And then um, what's his name is there? Nick. Nick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one, Daisy literally throws her wishing pen in and then she sees the man and oh, it's the most handsome man she's ever seen and oh, it's Matthew Swift. What? That, that's Matthew? He's grown, he's grown up so well. <laughs> he's no longer ugly. Oh my gosh, he's really filled in. He didn't okay. see arm day, it's all I'll say. Okay. You don't know what, where his body comes from? They don't even try to explain it, but that's okay. Nope. No, we don't, we do not have a Gentleman Jackson here because I, I think honestly, like Gentleman, there's no Gentleman Jackson because he doesn't work out. Basically, he just had like proper nutrition and then became hot. So I think my biggest grievance with this book, other than just not quite getting the pairing, ultimately because trope, she's a manic pixie dream girl. That's, that is exactly what she is. Yep. And that is this book, is him being enamored with a manic pixie dream girl. So I'm going a little bit off of tropes, but I need to get this rant out. Here's the thing, Daisy. I'm not interested in laundry either. And would way rather read and hang out with my friends and engage with gardening or some shit than do the dishes. But real people have to do both to effectively person. It's like her character trait is that she's too flighty to be responsible. I, I'm so not into Daisy either. Yeah. You know, like, like I'm, I'm really, we have talked about this after we decided to reread the wallflowers. And I think both of us agreed that the, the women, the wallflowers themselves are the issues with these, with the series, except for Evie, because St. Vincent is the issue for you. <laughs> but, say, one, one little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Annabelle, Lillian, and Daisy are all like truly have no ambition or interests outside of 
being rich and finding a man. Like, not even kidding. Well, and really, Evie doesn't have interest out of outside of those things either. She's just so abused that getting out of her situation is her sole focus. She just has a better reason for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. They all have that same flaw. It's just with Evie, you're like, yeah, girl, get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, girl. You get out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Trope. So she's a manic pixie dream girl, which basically is our issue with this book. Yep. Uh, he is a sad, tragic orphan. Oh, yeah. Although Who has an assumed don't... identity. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't know that because he has an assumed identity. Uh, the other one is... So, I don't know if we can really call it this trope. I'm saying enemies to lovers because that's how Daisy sees it. Daisy has always hated him. His but is like... Is... Yeah, she's always hated him. And then now... I don't though... think she has. This is one of my issues. But, so go, and then I'll explain. Okay. And then... But he has this, like, long buried unrequited love basically for her he's he's never thought that he could have her and now that mr bowman is like actually i do want you to marry daisy he's like my my fantasy come to life but because of my sad secret past i cannot put her through the marriage oh woe is me the thing i want is in my lap and i must turn it down for her good except not really yeah if he doesn't yeah so here's my thing I get that Lillian and Daisy thought he was a stick in the mud and resented on some level the place he had in their father's esteem mm-hmm. and viewed him as the protege of his, their father's worst, worst traits. But beyond that, I don't get the impression that either of them really thought that much about him. That like a lot of this vitriol and hatred is only prompted by... Bowman's telling Daisy she's got to marry him. Yeah, I mean they they hate him because her father likes him. Right, and but so I I feel like that element of it, in terms of how long both girls go on hating him even after seeing him, I think part of why it bothered me is their hatred is really centered on his like bag of bones. Yeah. Worn shoes, like it comes off as really shallow. Oh, totally. Totally. And again, this is our. Oh no, not at all. And part of our issue with with the book. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. As Nick Summary said, this is an arranged marriage to love book. Yes, yes, it is. There is a house party, and this this is like a clay trope because the house party takes place at um, Westcliff's estate. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, there's supposed to be, like, 12 eligible young men and a handful of eligible young ladies. I mean, Lane, are there other estates in England? Because, like, literally. No. And I think it's also very common for women who are, like, eight and a half months pregnant to host house parties. Totally. Just saying. That doesn't backfire. And so in order to gain Matthew's attention, Daisy schemes with another gentleman to make Matthew jealous, but what is that? The gentleman she is scheming with starts to think their scheme is real? Oh no. Whatever could happen. (laughs) Just a little light clothes ripping. God. While she shoves him into a pond. Yeah, and I mean, in, in another book, he would be the guy that she fell in love with. 
Yeah. But it's not in this one. He's the guy who she has to protect herself against. Yep. There was a couple of things in this book that I didn't understand. One of them was why Lillian and Daisy hated Matthew so much. Mm-hmm. One of them was Westcliff hears Lillian and Daisy's concerns, and Westcliff is rightfully like, okay, so Daisy shouldn't have to marry anyone she doesn't like. I will intervene. So he asks Swift to promise that he won't marry Daisy. And rather than saying, I won't promise that, that's between her and I, rather than saying, I haven't even talked to her father yet, rather than saying, I have no intentions of marrying her, I just found out about the scheme today. Mm-hmm. He says, I will only promise not to marry her if you let me in on this business venture. Right. And that makes Westcliff like him more? It's very odd. I don't really get it. Okay. So you may notice that we're not really going over the plot because this book has, like, very no plot. This this book basically has no plot. I mean, basically what happens in this book is Lil- So Mr. Bowman says, Daisy, you gotta marry Matthew. And Daisy says, I don't want to marry him. But then she's like, actually, he's hot, and apparently he's loved me forever, so I do want to marry him now, so I'm going to make him jealous with another dude, which works. They make love, and then they, like, keep making love, and then all of a sudden his dark past, like, like literally, this is like the last probably 20% of the novel, maybe even, even. 15%. Yeah. His dark past comes back to bite him, and um, but then that's it. 85% oh. of this book is them courting at a house party. Yes, and also, can I say, near-death experience in the tropes. Yes. Can't believe we almost but the near-death it. experience does not in any way, shape, or form inform how they feel about each other. No, it just leads to, like, a really hot sex scene. Yeah, like, but there's no, like, emotional revelations from me near-death experience other than no, why are they having more sex yeah and they've i mean they've already told each other they love each other and blah 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 and they've already like resolved all of their conflicts literally the only conflict is is he alive or not yeah yeah um which actually other... i like i want to give real credit to lisa Claypis for viewing real drama into like just the what has happened to him without there being any lingering because i've never told him how i felt or anything like oh that. yeah no Totally, totally. Like, he knows that the whole family is behind him. And he, like, knows, actually, that um, not only has he found a a faithful wife, but that his father figure, Mr. Bowman, actually does feel the same way. So he's found, like, it's his found family. Yes. And he discovers this before the near-death experience. So it gave him the strength to hold on. Yeah. Um, There's some weird word choices during this that I usually don't. Lisa Kleypas shoes. Yeah. So at one point, they're in the middle of a pretty hot sex scene. Mm-hmm. And she thinks about how his hand feels on her tummy. Yeah. Very juvenile word choice. It doesn't help either that Daisy is supposed to be like pixie like and ethereal. Yeah, it just, it felt infantilizing. It, it did a little bit. I mean, Daisy, the whole thing with Daisy is that she's, 
she's the youngest. I mean, she is like super young too. Yeah, she's supposed to be the youngest of the Wallflowers, and this is supposed to be like two years after the first book. But so Daisy's still what, like twenty, twenty-one? Mm-hmm. At the oldest. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So basically, there's not much plot. We went over it. Oh, the one big thing we forgot to mention is that um, Lillian has her baby in the middle of this book. Oh yeah, there's like so little conflict or plot between Daisy and Matthew that Lillian's entire birth sequence and delivery is written into the text. Yep. And weak postpartum recovery. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, we we all know that Lisa Clapis loves Marcus Lord Westcliff. Like, we know this. Yeah. And I'm just like, I think she wanted to just write books about him. <laughs> and she's like, I guess I better throw in a couple there, though. <laughs> they now have to be background characters. There's this weird scene that really exists for no reason toward the end. It's after Matthew, spoiler alert, has survived and has gone to make up with Daisy that you flash to Lillian, like, taking care of Marcus, praising him for all the time he spent out looking for Matthew. Uh-huh. And they're like, we can't go looking for them to make sure they're okay because they're probably boning. And Marcus is like, remember when we used to have sex? And she's like, the doctor said not for another two weeks, but I'll give you a hand job in the bathtub. I mean, she doesn't say like, that. Really, this, this scene was vital after the final scene before the main couple. Mm-hmm. vital vitally important that's what I'm telling you that's what I'm telling you like if we read these books if we shifted our perspective and read all four Wallflower books as being about Marcus I think it could be a very interesting exercise never reading Devil in Winter again you can't make me I, I, I mean you don't have to you you read it but what, think back if you just think yeah. back about it and you're like actually maybe these books are about Marcus <laughs> does it make like more coherent sense as a series maybe maybe I don't know I just thought of that myself so I'm not like trying to make the argument that it does I'm just saying it could be an interesting thought exercise it could and so I do love Marcus you? um no, uh, besides the, you know, jealous, jealous guy attacking her. Right. So I will say one trigger warning. Um, as we mentioned, Matthew is a sad, tragic orphan. And he was purchased from a foundling home, essentially, to be a whipping boy for a well-to-do child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while it's not explicit or really delved into it, Child abuse is clearly hinted at. Yeah. And then Mr. Bowman somehow gets a redemption story in this book. Yeah. I thought it was a bit odd. It was a kind, of? kind of an odd choice, basically. Basically, he's never been a great father to any of his other kids, but he somehow has been an amazing father figure to Matthew. Yep. So, anyway... Um, the strength of this book, though, I think comes in sexiness because this book is very sexy. Yeah, no, it's um, way more explicit, I feel like, than the most of the other ones. Well, I'm not Devil in Winter, but I know you hate it, so you like probably blocked everything from your mind. 
Yeah, but even Devil in Winter, like, he spends so much time laid up. She bones him before he's even out of bed, Lane. That's true. Whatever, oh I hate God. that, but you're right. Other than Devil and Winter, I feel like the sex started earlier and was more frequent. Uh, yes, it was. And the thing that also is beautiful about it is, and I, I say this unironically, they start having sex at like the 45% mark. And that's basically when they've resolved all their issues except his secret past. But she like comes to terms with it before she even knows what it is. Mm-hmm. And then from 45 to 85%, it's just them, like, dating and having sex. There's no plot at all. It's just explicit sex scene after explicit sex scene. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that Lisa Clavis can sometimes write problematic sex. Yes. Um, with some dubious consent. Yes. I will say that is not the case in this book. No, not at all. Which is probably part of the reason why I think it's, like, so sexy. Yeah, so she seduces him. He's basically like, I don't think we should do it. And she's like, nope, I think we should have sex right now. I'm going to find a way to force you to strip me. Then I'm going to strip you. You're still going to be double checking if I'm sure and trying to resist until you literally can't anymore. Yeah, which is that, look, guys, in case you were wondering, that's the way Lane and I like it, okay? Yeah, no questionable consent at all. She's very much the instigator. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's really great, basically. It's it's also very fun. Yes. And I can't always how, say that about Claypus. And for how angsty his past is, their sex is, like, not angsty at all. And no. even his big secret, that she kind of gets around any angst from that because he tells Daisy he has a big secret very, very early on that it involves his past and involves the law and that people might come for him one day. And for reasons I don't understand, he's not willing to give her the details. Yeah. But I really don't get why he's just not totally. No, I don't, I don't get it either. And I mean, he's, he has told, uh, he's told Westcliff at least that he's, he will come clean with Daisy before they get married. Right. And but so, he I mean, he does, but he doesn't actually come out with it. But they also weren't imminently going to the altar or anything. Also so, true. Right. So there's just a lot going on. But because he like was very honest with her that there was a problem he hadn't fully articulated to her, it's not like it blindsided her and it's not like it was something hanging over their relationship. It was something like she knew. So it absolutely did not angstify their sex. Exactly. Which, yeah. look, like I said, I don't get why he didn't just disclose it. I wish he would have. But if you're going to do it, at least this way, I didn't have to read a bunch of angsty, tragic sex about, like, his feelings about her and her not really knowing him. And, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agreed. Um, this sex was, I, I can't say this enough, the sex in this book was, like, very, very hot. Yeah. But very, very hot. And very fun. Yes. Exactly. Which, I can't say that much of the wallflower sex has been fun. I think, honestly, not since Annabelle. Yeah. I'm thinking the honeymoon in Paris was the last, like, really fun sex sequence in wallflowers. Uh, Girl, I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) We're terrible. (laughs) But, I mean, I was like, yeah, that linen closet. Yep. That hotel. (laughs) Because we we didn't really get Lillian and Marcus 
And we felt like that sex was some problematic sex. Yes. And devil and winter, love it or hate it, it's a lot of angsty sex. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this one, it just being straight up consensual and a good time was like, yay, Clavis is back. And like even the emotional sex, which is the like after he comes back from the dead, basically. Uh, and she's like kind of crying. It's still like so hot. I can't say that it's fun, but it's like super hot. But it's not angsty either, except in no. the like, I definitely don't want to live without you. Do you know what you put me through? Not yeah. like, you could have died and you would never have known that I'd give my all for you. It was done. Yeah. It was basically like, you're back and you're alive. Yes, we can bone again. Yeah. The best part, he goes away for like two weeks on business in the middle of this. And he gets back and goes right to her room. Well, first he walks into dinner puts an engagement ring on her finger and like plays with her hands all through dinner. And then they both like cry off early and just go upstairs and immediately have sex. Mm-hmm. Like, yep, this is, this is the angst free. You can't keep our hands off each other that I really needed right now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, this is not my favorite because I, I really, really like Devil in Winter. Um, as you all know, Lane hates it. Uh, <laughs> but I would say this is my second favorite in the series. Um, which I, I, I one are tied for me. Yeah. I don't think I would have said that before, um, because okay. this book wasn't like super memorable for me, but reading it the second time, uh, I think I appreciated it for what it was and not what it could have been. Cause I, I think the first time I was like, where's Cam? What's going on? <laughs> this one doesn't fall into memorable for me, mm-hmm. but I think it's, mostly unproblematic and cute and like the only thing I don't like about it is that it's Manny Pixie Dream Girl but like if you can get over that yeah it's fun exactly yeah yeah I agree this may be the most fun Lisa Kleypas book I can think of she's very angsty yeah I can think of other ones with some fun sex scenes and fun relationships, but the overarching plot is angstier than this. Because really, the only angsty thing in this that's actually in the text is Daisy being forced to marry against her will. Mm-hmm. Even the angst that comes from Matthew's past is at the end after all other conflict has been resolved. It's not really an angsty book. That's that's what I'm saying. Is I don't think this is an angsty book. It's not. There's no problematic sex. It's very fun. Um, very enjoyable. Yeah, I totally agree. So I like recommended. Yeah, I recommend it for sure. Um, but soon, you guys, we're gonna start the Hathaways, which um, highly recommended. The first Hathaways book is roll sexy, you guys. Preview. <laughs> I was like, wait, we shouldn't talk about it, but it's real hot. <laughs> we're excited. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Marriage is a...